listening to Grassroots, www.innovationstudios.com. It is the 5th of February and this is week 11 of the Q&A, which I only thought we'd ever get a couple of weeks out of, but we're still here and we're still going and that's pretty cool. We've had a few questions this week that I'm going to get through, but first to just wish you a warm welcome on what is probably a cold day. For most of you out there, I'm not quite uh, sure how far this uh, little show of mine uh, travels. I have had emails from Birmingham and places like that, but uh, and Cheshire. But um, you know, this is it's a big, wide world out there, and you never know if somebody's picking up on your advice or stuff like that. I've done many things in my life on a grassroots level. I've entertained people across the UK and across Europe, and uh, you never know. It's still. This crazy business of ours throws up a few surprises. But no surprises that uh, everything that I say and all of the opinions I give are just my opinion, all right? So if you don't agree, I'm sorry. If you do agree, I'm good with that. But uh, I can only tell you honestly and uh, truthfully from my own life experiences, and that's how it works. Our first question this week comes from Anita. And Anita is in West Horndon. Yeah, that's uh, not far from my mum. My mum's in... Basil and Langdon up there. So, um, yes, West Horndon, nice little area. And Anita says, she's got a really, really great question, actually. Hi, Marcus, what's more important, the singer or the song? Now, this, um, Anita may have heard me use that expression before on one of the previous shows, but um, I, I th- it's um, always been one of the things about music, particularly at grassroots level, but probably without naming names on a worldwide scale as well um that if the songs are great it isn't as important whether or not they're sung well um but if the song is sung really really well but nobody knows it pretty much nobody cares and um so it's although i'm i'm sort of very much dividing the opinion on this what i mean is since the advent of karaoke um in the late 80s early 90s you find that uh, the amount of times that I've seen somebody get up and sing a boring song really, really well and get no reaction, as opposed to somebody getting up and singing YMCA really badly, can get people out of their seats. So I think the answer is you need to be able to choose a set list that works um, for the for the audience you're playing to. And even if you don't sing the songs that brilliantly, as long as you can put them across. I mean, if you can't sing at all, then people will say, great songs, but they couldn't sing. And if you sing really, really well and the songs are not great, then people will say, lovely singer, great at what what they do, but uh, not much of a set list. You know, Fred and Marjorie couldn't get up out of their seats to go and have a dance because it was all ballady stuff and all operatic stuff. So you'll never win. You'll never find the right way. But... um, I think the song is important. I think a good set list is the most important um, rather than being the greatest singer in the world. Uh, I think on a worldwide level, particularly in the Britpop era towards the late 90s, some of the singers weren't that great singers, but the songs were so good that they stuck in your mind. And uh, it isn't, not everybody has to sing like uh, Julio Iglesias or Luciano Pavarotti or Catherine Jenkins or Sarah Brightman um, in order to sell records. Some people who can't sing or some people who struggle to even carry a tune in a bucket can 
write a great song and still uh, sell millions and millions of records. You know, it's it's one of those things. You don't have to be the greatest singer in the world if your songs are strong. Um, but but turning turning that on its head, if the songs are not that strong, you can be the greatest singer in the world and nobody will care. So it's really one of those juxtapositions. I mean, of course there are exceptions. If you pay money to go and see a show in the West End, you expect songs to be sung well and you expect them to be good songs. Um, but at grassroots music level, when you're entertaining at the Batley British Legion on a, on a Saturday night, um, it's more important that you have strong songs, even if you're not the greatest uh, singer in the world, Anita. But it, it will always divide people's opinions, that one. Um, but I always feel, and I say to people when I'm working with them, choose a strong set list, because I think a strong set can cover a lot of... Um, cover up a lot of sins in terms of, you know, whether or not you're always pitch perfect on every single song you sing. Um, whereas if the song is not that great and people are listening to your voice, although people will say I could listen to you sing all night and things like that, I think um, at our level, grassroots level, um, it's important that people react to your shows and enjoy your shows and, and express their um, opinions with their feet and get up and dance or get up and sing, you know, and sing along with you. So I think the song, not the singer, but if the singer is God awful, then I think, I think it doesn't really matter what, <laughs> what, what you're playing. I think it's, uh, but that's the truth of that one, Anita. It's the songs that are important, not always the singer. Question two comes from Stuart in Basildon. And Stuart says, after constant struggles with volume issues, we're always being told to turn down and we're running out of options. A drummer says he obviously can't turn the drums down. Are there any avenues left for us to explore? Um, good question, Stuart. I think one of the biggest problems and one of the, one of the things that, that uh, at grassroots level that we kind of had to um, endure and I've had to endure for many years in live bands, particularly in pubs and clubs, and is could you turn it down a bit? And, you know, at the end of the day, we live in a democracy. At least that's what we're told, all right? And we're told that, um, you know, we, we each have a democratic vote and stuff like that. Now, that's fine. What I've never understood, and, and anybody that's worked in this crazy business at all levels will will totally understand where I'm coming from on this. When it comes to a band being a bit too loud, there is no democracy. The The minority will always win. The amount of times you get told to turn down because one person has made a fuss. And, you know, there's probably 200 people having a great time. And nobody has ever turned round to these people and ever said, well, hang on a minute, there's 200 people enjoying it. If you don't like it, go home. You know, it's like with all the votes and the Brexits and all sorts of stuff like that. People were saying that's how it came out. End of story. End of argument. And with this, it's always, uh, you know, oh, oh, somebody said it was too loud. It was somebody, like one person out of the 250 people that are here said you're too loud, so you've got to turn down. So I feel your pain, Stuart. Um, of course, there are there are alternatives to that, or other other sides of the coin where that's concerned. Which is, if the one who tells you to turn down is the one paying you, then do what you got to do. Um, 
But um, yeah, it's one of those strange things about uh, about the music at grassroots level. You know, one person says it's too loud, you have to turn down. I've never really understood that, but you look, that's that's how it is. Um, clubs kind of worry about losing one member, whilst the other two hundred members are all having a great time and want to come back the following week. But look, that's how it is. Um, other other than um, you know, going down the avenue of buying electronic kits, which who wants to do that, really? You know, um, one of the things that we used to do, um, and I'll get to the point about drummers in a minute. One of the things that we used to do was to try and not sound check if we could if we could get away with it. After you've done this this job for a while, you can kind of you know what your levels are, and it's just your master volume for the size of the venue, really. So that by the time we went on and we started playing, you know, the show was starting. I think when most of it, or when, when the maggot of doubt or the maggot of volume, let's call it the volume maggot, is installed, is when people are sitting there listening to you sound check, and your drummer sort of gets a snare and goes bang, bang on the snare and people jump out of their skin. And what we tried to do was to gently sort of build the volume by sort of just strumming a couple of guitars and then saying, okay, just let's just uh, tune in, but tune in quietly, keep the volume down as much as we can. And then I always said to the drummer, don't, don't be banging your kit too much before, because, because we know the drums are loud. And I think people also respond to what they can see. And if they see an acoustic guitar on there, then they're going to feel okay. But if they see a, a, you know, you're walking in with seven or eight amps, and a huge, great PA with bass bins. They have a preconceived idea of how loud it's going to be. And it doesn't really matter how quiet you are. They're going to think it's loud because of what they can see. And I know that sounds really strange, but it's true. If you go and see um, a, a band and they walk in and they've got bass bins and you, you have a preconceived idea, people say, should be, you know, I think it's going to be a loud one tonight. Why? Why should it be a loud one? It's just people preconceive that that's how it's going to be. It's going to be bloody deafening before anybody's ever played a note. So the thing with that, Stuart, is, and, and to your drummer, I would say, I know and I, fit, and I totally understand how difficult it is as a drummer. Not that, I'm a, that I am one myself, but I've, I've had this conversation a hundred times with various different drummers and people I've worked with. I know how difficult it is to play at a quiet level when you're only you know you're only lifting your arm halfway in order to bring it back down again drummers will understand that there is a way that each drum individual drummer plays that keeps them in time it's a little bit like step class um things like that you step on in a certain way and it's quite uh, a rhythmical thing and uh, the length of time that a drummer raises his left arm and brings it back down again on the snare is muscle memory. And if all of a sudden you've got to play quietly, now you can go, you know, that can make a huge difference in terms of your inner metronome. You're then not in tune with what what you're hearing. So drummers need time and need to practice playing quietly so that that scenario doesn't happen as much. But I can tell you, it's really hard. And I don't even play drums, but I've had the conversation a million times I don't know how you're going to find a way around it. I would say keep keep the noise down to a minimum when you're sound checking to stop the volume maggot being sort of infesting people's minds before they start. And you know what? 
If you can get away with your normal amps and you don't need the bass bins, or, or at least you can put the bass bins maybe at the back with the amps on so that everything at the front is not as... It's a visual thing, you know? Um, but really, uh, we we all try. We've all done that over the years. Every Everybody that's ever played music has always at some point been told they're too loud. And, uh, you know, it, it's just one of those things that happens, especially when you're a full full band. And rather than get an electronic kit, either your drummer needs to practice playing quietly, which, you know, that's that's on him. That's a lot of pressure on him. Um, or don't sound check for very long. Just, just play half a song, look at each other and go fine. Or, you know, kind of another little trick sometimes is that when you do that, when you sound check or something you deliberately comment to another member of the band, that's so it's a bit loud, but that's okay. Then anybody that's there will hear that you've said, no, it's a bit loud, but just take it down a bit, because then they then feel that you're being, you know, responsible. It's all smoke and mirrors, Stuart. It really is. But if you're playing somewhere and you and your drummer sets up and says, look, don't hit the snare, don't crash the cymbals, do not play the drums on your own until the band start. And then when the band start, then, uh, you know, just play and, and just only play for a few seconds. Can everybody hear everything? Great. Um, because, of course, when you're sound checking, there's only probably t- 10, 15 people in the place. So if somebody's there thinking it's too loud, yeah, it's too loud for 15 people. It's not too loud for 200 people if it's packed later on. So try and keep the sound check down to a minimum so that you're not putting the maggot, the volume maggot, in people's minds before you've played. Don't let your drummer smack the snare really, really hard and make everybody jump out of their skin um, because that immediately people go, oh, you know, that's too loud. And also just if you if you can get away with using an amp and you don't need a Marshall stack, keep the what, what people can see to a minimum because it will only, people will only tell you you're too loud even though you know you're not. Um, other than that, electric kits, you know, you can, but I wouldn't. Um, Drummers need to, maybe you need to rehearse. Um, what what can be quite a good thing is find a rehearsal room that's, uh, or, or even um, maybe just find a little room somewhere that you can practice as a band playing quietly. I know it's easier for guitar players. Singers as well suffer a little bit. But singers, you know, singers like the noise and the confusion around them. And when, when they don't have that, it's a very lonely sound. But uh, sound checks down to a to a minimum. Just look at each other. Make sure you can hear everything. Um, try not to be egotistical when you're talking about it. Even acknowledge. Just even if you're on the microphone, just go sorry, a bit loud, bit bit loud. That can we just take it down a bit? Talk to your sound guy. But your sound guy knows not to take it down a bit. And the only time you're ever really making a big noise is when you go on. And if there's 200 people in there or 150 people in there, you probably get away with it more than if people have a preconceived idea of how loud you're going to be. So that's my advice, Stuart. There's, there are lots of options you still have left, and, uh, and I'm sure you'll explore them all, mate. Innovation Studios is the perfect place for any aspiring singer-songwriter to take their journey to the next level. Whether that be starting at the basics of building a solid foundation on your first instrument, learning the best ways to perform your first open mic or refining your current set with an experienced performer or recording a polished album at the highest of standards. The 
with soundproof walls and perfect ambience and acoustics. Our studio is also a great place for a budding producer to learn their craft, hone their skills and begin producing music. Check out what we have to offer throughout our website. Go to www.innovationstudios.com. JD in Hoddesdon. Oh, blimey, I am branching out, Hoddesdon. Hi, Marcus, I'm learning guitar. Is it better to learn casually or to focus on graded work and or exams? Um, yeah, I mean, it depends what you want to do with it, to JD. Um, if you're looking to have the guitar as a hobby, if you're looking to sit in the conservatory with the guitar on you on your shoulder and just pick it up, play a few songs now and again, then do it casually. Um, I always feel like it's one of those things that um, people have mixed views on whether whether or not grades will get you further in in music than than not being graded. Uh, my argument with that is the Rolling Stones, the Who, the Beatles, you know, didn't read music and they got they get Wembley Stadium. And the people that can read music get the Albert Hall or the Royal Festival Hall. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's, it swings aroundabouts. But for my point of view, I wanted Hyde Park. I didn't want the Royal Festival Hall. Although I would have taken it because most, most of my shows are at the King's Head or the, or the Swan. Um, but um, I think it's sometimes it's good to mix the two. I mean, it's, it's nice to start casually, do a little bit of work on some basics. Um, the grades that are good for that that kind of mix casual with um, with uh, sort of graded work at a rock school grades. Now, I'm a little bit out of date with them. And I, there's a new syllabus that came out, I think, uh, last year. May have, been, may, have, may have been 19 or 20. I'm trying to think now. But it came out, um, and I haven't done rock school grades for a couple of years. So I, I, I need to make sure that I'm up to date with that. So... Thanks for your question, JD, because that gets me out of the out of trouble because I need to make sure I'm relevant. Um, but the rock school grades are sort of based on on proper songs rather than exercises, and um, they there's a sort of a casual feel to how it's put together, and I, I like to work with that. Some, um, I mean, I'd never choose one over the other. I think the Royal Schools of Music stuff, um, the Associated Board of the Royal Schools of Music, you know, are um, great for classical musicians and also great for all musicians um but the rock school ones kind of give you a little bit of structure so although you've got uh, this casual way of playing or this casual idea um of how you want to learn you can you, you get a better idea of what you're playing and it teaches you about notation and it teaches you about the, the, the staff and it teaches you about uh tab um so it's more of a general general kind of um way of way of being graded or of doing exams i think they you know there, there are plenty of different grades they, they start from um right away right away at beginner in in so many instruments i mean don't get me wrong i'm not sponsored by them or anything like that although if they want to sponsor me you know where to email me i'm not sponsored by them but i've when i've i've worked them i've always found that i enjoyed them more and i'm looking back on when i did the um the asbrm stuff um whatever it is the Royal Schools of Music um I was I was very young I was uh sort of eight nine ten I, I think I finished when I was about 12 and uh at that age you, you're like a sponge you're kind of just learning it trying to play things and things like that but um I I like the rock school grades because they give you a little bit of structure but start uh casually JD just start 
you know, just playing a few things. Um, uh, I mean, I happen to know there's a guy on uh, YouTube who does 10-minute tutorials. Oh, hang on a minute, that's me! Who just gets you into it, just learning a few basics, a few basic chords, strumming a few things. The usual suspects, Smoke on the Water, Deep Purple, you know, Wonderwall. Um, go through all of that casual stuff to start with. And then you can structure it a little bit once you've got a little bit of knowledge. But um, I would say start casually. And then if you want to do some grades, do some rock school grades. And then if you if you do okay, uh, you know, do well at the rock school grades. And then if it's something you really want to pursue and you really want to get an idea of of music and how it's created and the real deep, uh, deep rooted, um, you know, uh, uh, knowledge of, of music, then switch over to the uh, Royal Schools of Music stuff as well. Um, but uh, casually at first, I would say, even if it's only for a couple of weeks, just to get loose. Pam in Landon says, Hi, Marcus. I hope you're well. I heard you refer to M&J's music in Basildon a few weeks ago. I was delighted to hear it as it was a great place to go for all of my musical needs. With everything available online now, are there any benefits to visiting a music shop in person anymore? And if so, can you recommend any? Well, that's a that's a good question, Pam, to be honest, because there's so much available online these days and there's so much that you can order a guitar. And of course, you don't have to deal with the price increases and things like that that some of the shops will put on there. Um you can buy them pretty much directly. You can you can shop around, do everything online. What you can't do is you can't try them out. So you just get them sent to you. And I think the essential part of buying an instrument, particularly a guitar, PAs and, and speakers and things like that tend to be much of a muchness. But particularly guitars, basses, you know, things like that, it's a touch thing. It's kind of, uh, you, you know, you really want to try it out and play it. And I, and I know you can, you know, these days you can buy a guitar. It can be delivered to your doorstep. You can pick it up. You can play it. If you don't like it, you repackage it and send it back. But there's something magical about, mu- you know, walking into a music shop and trying a few guitars until one sort of resonates with you and you say, this feels right. Um, so the benefits are that um, you you get that immediate chance to play a few different guitars rather than reading somebody's review or watching somebody's um, review on YouTube about how this guitar works and the and the pros and the cons and how this works and what all the buttons do and what all the clever switches do. You, know. you can try these things out and you've got somebody with you in the shop, try it for a few. I mean, shops as well are notorious for putting a, putting a, a, a bottom-of-the-range guitar through a top of the range amp and kind of you know getting this really amazing sound out of it but they look they're there to sell it i've got no problem with that <laughs> you know who might have a problem with that but you know it's it's good if you get it if you if you can get a guitar that sounds nice um through a fairly easy sort of amp nice and quiet not too much overdrive on it not too much um, you know, get a nice clean sound through. Look, you look for um, things like sustain, so just strum strum a chord and see how long it holds. Just turn all the buttons down so it's not going through the amp. Strum a chord and see how long it rings for. That sort of thing. Um, but to be honest, they're the benefits of of uh, being able to shop online. And of course, I would say it, but uh, professional music technology have been there forever. I mean, I, I remember buying my first PA from them. I was about 18, 17, 18. I've bought equipment from them for the last 30 years. They were there before me. 
um, you know, before I got into music, they've been there for, for so many years. And, and some of the great music shops and the people in Essex and South End will remember honky-tonk music in South End. Well, that's gone now. M&J's music in the, in the town. Um, there was a famous one in Romford, and I'm not sure if that's still there or not. And you know, the title of it won't come to me. Monkey Business. Monkey Business in Romford. And there are so there are so many, and now everything's kind of online, and people are buying the guitars online. Um, I just feel it's it's always good to try things out. So, to be honest with you, Pam, it's lovely to hear from anybody that remembers M and J's music. Not that I had anything to do with it, but I just loved it. Um, and I would say that professional music technology, there's still a, Allegro music is still there. Allegro music still great, M- more more towards pianos and things like that. But brilliant, brilliant stuff. Um, and there, there are there are still a fair few out there. There's, there's a brilliant one in Westcliff called Music King, and it's just like it looks like a second hand shop. And it, but I've picked up some stuff in there over the years. Been amazing little, almost like a music sort of white elephant store. You know, you go in there and, and it have like a couple of guitars with strings missing, and then next to it was like this three hundred quid's worth of pedal and amp. And you go like what, you know? Um, but uh, yeah, professional music technology. They have a they have a shop in Southend. They have a shop in Romford. They have one in Birmingham. Um, there may be another one, but uh, I've been to all three, and I can tell you they're impressive. Um, I think actually I went to one recently in Bristol. So I think um, that they're, they're branching out. They may even have some more. But um, it used to be Terry, and it used to be Graham that used to run it years ago. I don't know if they're still there, but. Um, I bought so much stuff from them and and uh, they were always so helpful and they still are and they're still although they've got a huge online catalog you can still go in you can still try stuff out and that's kind of the point of it really Pam so that's good that's a that's a good thing to you know to take the time go and see the boys at uh, professional music technology and uh, you know try the instruments out because that's always a benefit uh, next question, just just in case those of you who wonder whether or not I answer all of the questions, this this one is from Doug, and all he's put is IP4, so I'm assuming it's somewhere in Ipswich, uh, Doug. Doug says, are you for real? There are hundreds of successful musicians with millions in the bank who would be able to offer far greater advice and guidance than some bloke who has played a few pubs. Right. <laughs> um... Yeah, thanks, Doug. Appreciate that. Um, I've said from week one, who am I to give advice? Who am I to tell people, other musicians, what's right and what's wrong? Who am I to advise anybody on what they want to do? You know, the only thing I can say is, apart from the fact that the title of the podcast is Grassroots Music UK... Apart from the fact that I've been in this business for 30 years and never played Wembley Arena, never played Wembley Stadium, never had a multi-platinum selling album, but I've always had music as a job and I've always been lucky enough to pick up a guitar and sing for a living and other people weren't so lucky or or maybe didn't make the most of their abilities it ended up doing a job they hated. I've done a job that I love. And all I do really is to share my um, experiences of, of that. I like to 
entertain. You see, when the lights go down on a Saturday night and it's nine o'clock. Now, the lights might go down at Wembley Arena and Noel Gallagher walks out. And the lights might go down at the Russ Club in Romford and I walk out. But you know what? For the next two and a half hours, I'm doing the same job as him. We're still putting a guitar on and we're still going to work and we're still taking some money at the end of it. And he's he can't play anything he wants. I can play anything I want. So maybe, you know, um, I'm not offended, Doug. Um, you know, I've, I've, I'm the first person who will say what makes me a teacher is I'm a page ahead of you. I don't take myself too seriously. Um, the only... The only thing is that I feel that there are more of us than there are of them. And a lot of these musicians, particularly the, the, the environment and the society that we live in now, that somebody can get the O2, having never played a grassroots gig. And in the 60s, a lot of the bands that came through, and you know, you remember some of these bands because they're bands like the Rolling Stones and the Beatles, Paul McCartney and the Kinks and the Who. They all came from the working men's clubs and they all served an apprenticeship entertaining people. And they, by the time they got the bigger shows, they'd earned it. These days you win a talent contest, you get the O2. You haven't even got an album out. And if you have, a, if you have got an album out, you've got 45 minutes because you're going to play every song off the bloody album and you're going to have to play an hour and 15 minutes of other people's songs in order to do a two-hour show to a, an audience who absolutely love everything that you do because you won Pop Idol. And nobody serves an apprenticeship anymore. What I'm saying, Doug, and the point of this is I'm there for the people and to advise people and to, and to kind of be proud of the fact that I never got the fame and I never got the fortune, but I've still paid a mortgage, put my kids through school, Put food on the table, bought my bought my cars, you know, got my nice house, my nice studio, all because I picked up a bloody guitar for a living. And the nice thing about what I do is I can be anonymous. I can finish my show and take my wig off or take my jacket off and go and pack away and go home. And I've not got people sleeping outside my door hoping for a selfie. So I am for real, Doug. And I'm hoping that I'm here to stay, but I'm not here to stay for people who don't want to hear what I've got to say, my advice. So not offended, mate. I'm not worried about it. I don't know whether or not you get the point of what this is about. But what what are these famous people going to tell you? How to succeed? You know, I don't even think they know how they succeeded some of them they just know that they 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 woke up one morning and and went to an audition and the next thing they knew they were they were playing the o2 and good luck to them bloody good luck to them and i'm great that's great go and do it but um you forget like music works like that doug you know you forget when you when you look at the charts and you look at the fact that maybe you know robbie williams has sold so many albums and he's number one and uh, these people are number one, Taylor Swift, number one, selling loads of albums. They don't even sell a, a quarter of the albums that Frank Sinatra still sells. They don't sell a quarter of the albums that Barry Manilow still sells. They don't sell a tenth of the albums that Dolly Parton sells, and they do not even sell a millionth of the albums that people like Andre Rue or or 
or Mozart. Imagine what the royalties Mozart would get. You know, 300 years later, people still playing his songs, his records, his, his, his albums, his music that he created, that he, has, he had the rights to and now his estate has the rights to. They are the real musicians. They are the real ones that make the real serious dough, the real serious money. And the ones that end up on top of the pops sell the most albums within that bracket. So they end up, you know, in popular music. There you go. But they ain't the real number one, Doug. They're not the real number one. The real number one are people like Sinatra, Dean Martin, Shirley Bassey, Tom Jones. So are still selling Cliff Richard. Cliff Richard is still probably making what I make in, I would probably make in my whole career. He's probably making that in a couple of months from an album he recorded 60 years ago. So what advice could he possibly give the bloke who's trying to earn a living at the dog and duck on a Saturday night? There's no way. Nobody does it anymore. Nobody nobody builds up at grassroots anymore. Nobody nobody puts the hard work, the hard graft in anymore. And that's why when they get Wembley, when they get the O2, they go off the rails. You I can think of 20 bands. I won't say them on here, but or artists, or performers, or boy bands, who didn't last two or three years. Because they were given this huge um, responsibility to sell records, sell albums, and all of a sudden, either one of them was dead within like 18 months, or one of them had, had done something silly, or one of them had left and explored the, you know, musical differences, or they were in a club and they were photographed high on bloody drugs or something. Of course they were. It's because they didn't do the grassroots thing, Doug. Like I've done. Like everybody's done. Like lots of people have done, mate. And I still do it. And you know what? I'm bloody proud to do it. And I don't care that I never got Wembley. I couldn't care less. They can have it. My role is to help the people that are trying to just get a bit of pocket money from it on a Saturday night. And it's no good asking Bruce Dickinson from Iron Maiden if he's ever played the dog and duck in Luton. It's no, because what's he going to say? You know, and, and, and Bruce, by all accounts, I'm sure he's a nice guy. But he's not really going to be able to advise a little band from whatever, how they, how they can set up on a Saturday night to play in a little pub. He'll be able to advise them on, on getting a record deal, the best thing to do, the best thing, the best advice, you know. But that's my job, Doug. That's what I do, mate. And I, I make no apologies for it. And I'm not offended at all. I don't know if your question was tongue-in-cheek, to be fair. And, uh... Even if it was, and even if it wasn't, I'm fine with it, mate. That's that's what it's about. Ever wanted to play guitar? 10-minute tutorials. Now on YouTube, Beginner's Guitar. Marcus takes you through the early stages, tuning, basic chords and strum patterns to start you on your journey. Further information, go to www.innovationstudios.com. Ashley from Danbury. Hi, Marcus. Who are the best grassroots level artists in Essex? And are there any new artists coming through that we should keep an eye on? And an ear out for. Thank you. Um, well, grassroots where I'm from, um, the bands that were doing the pubs regularly where I'm from, there's a, I mentioned a few. 
Um, when I grew up, there were a few bands that uh, there was a place in South End called Club Riga, which is not there anymore. And it, then it became Riga Music Bar. And uh, back then there were there were a few a lot of the bands that used to watch it, and uh, I used to go. But you had the Castle Main in in Basildon, and the the one at the top of the escalator in Basildon Town, which I, I think it was called the Edge Bar at one time, but it was called something else. Um, the people at Grassroots, the musicians at Grassroots, where I'm from, were bands like Hedgehog, Panic, The Beagles, Hollywood. Um, you had, uh, I think these days you've got uh, Anthem, I think, or one of them who were doing it. You've got uh, the Fabulous Feedback Band. Um, I think I said the Beagles. Um, and then on top of that, but way, way back, of course, although you had your successful artists, like you had Alison Moye and Vince Clark and the Passion Mode and, and things like that, you also had uh, other other people, um, you know, who were at grassroots level. You had a band called the Pinkies, who were just, you know, they, they were power pop and they had an album out and it was, and I've got it and I love it. I think it's great. Um, and you had lots of people at grassroots level and there are still lots of bands still at grassroots level who have been, been around at this level forever and are still out there working. Um, I don't, I don't include wall to wall in that, although we were part of that circuit, you know, we were, we were playing a lot of these venues. Um, there's, there are, there are lots of them as for the ones that are coming through at grass, at grassroots level, um, there's lots out there. There's, oh, uh, uh, oh, while I think of it, there was another one called Jackson's Warehouse. Jackson's Warehouse were another one. There was uh, one from South End called, I think it was, um, I'm trying to think of the name of the band now, but it was Darren. Darren, Darren was uh, one of the, one of the guys who was in it and I can't think what it was, what, uh, Sunscreen. That was it, Sunscreen. And when I was growing up, there was a, a reggae band called Bushfire who were like, you uh, used to play the Round Acre in Basildon, which isn't there anymore. But uh, I remember seeing, the, and, and, oh, it must be amazing to play a gig on a Saturday night at, at uh, you know, at the Round Acre, which I ultimately ended up doing, and it wasn't that great. But um, And uh, lot, lots of local bands and lots of local people from from uh, this area. There, there, there are so many, so many. Nicky Moore, the blues band. Uh, I've, I've worked with quite a lot of them. And... Um, Panic were the ones that uh, when I when I first saw a guy who I'm hoping to get an interview with called Glenn Glenn Sissons, um, and Glenn is a bass player and a superb one, um, and uh, I, I didn't really meet him. Uh, I was introduced to him once or twice, and you know he wouldn't remember who I was. But um, I always enjoyed what he did. There were there were a few bands that Glenn was in, but the one I saw him in was Panic. But I know he, he he ended up doing a lot of different things. He ended up working with Susie Quattro. He ended up working with lots of other musicians as well. And he was just like one one of the uh, just just one of the. I'm going to use the word icon, but it's not. But just at our, at our level, just somebody that you would aspire to to you know to to look at. So yeah, great look, great bass player, great feel, really really solid. Um, and uh, I'm hoping to get him for, a minute, for an interview um, because he's still out there and he's still busy and he's still working. And he's still, obviously not at the moment, but um, I just mean he's, he's had a great career. And uh, so in terms of the ones that are coming through, I'm working with a few um, who are just uh, in, in the process of writing um, songs, writing an album. There's a young lady called Anna, um, Anna Reynolds, and she's uh, st still working on her songs and how she's going to uh, put them together. And um, yeah, it's, it, it, there, there, there's a few out there.
Um, it's it's really a case of, um, as I said earlier, as I said to Doug, just trying to get a few quid on a Saturday night and just um, squeeze a couple of your own songs in and try and do something with it. But um, there's there's still a few. There, there, there are a few have been been around for a while. Um, Owen Williams is still going. Um, and when I say that, I don't. That sounds disrespectful, but he's still going. He's still making waves, you know. And he's been around um, the Essex music scene for a while. Freddie Fabs or Freddie Weber, uh, he's been, uh, you know, doing it for quite a while. Um, and he's, st- you know, and these are people that I knew who, at grassroots level, um, are doing it for the for the fun of doing it to sell a few albums, and uh, and to meet people and with with a view to hopefully get your music out there because the music industry's changed. People hear your album now and get hold of it, and it could go viral. So everybody's got an opportunity to get their music heard, and that's a great thing. Um, but they're the ones I remember from grassroots level. I don't think I've missed anybody out. Uh, the, re- the repertoire dogs, I did, I missed them out. Um, and there is another one as well that won't come to me at the moment, but um, very, very, oh, goodness me, this that's, that's a hell of a question. I will remember who it is, and I will give them a mention um next expose i've remembered expose yes expose with the other one and expose is still still out there still working um you know still doing what they do as far as i'm aware uh, so these were the grassroots um heroes of mine really growing up and these, these are the people that you would see their posters and think oh, i'm gonna play that venue one day and i did so um there you go but um that about wraps it up for another week um it's been fun. It's been fun. Hopefully I didn't rant too much there and uh, hopefully you, you got a lot of enjoyment out of it. I look forward to speaking to you um, next week. I look forward to receiving your emails. I have a couple of questions I didn't get through today, which I will move across to next week um, just to make sure. Because otherwise, look, if once this runs into 45, 50 minutes, 55 minutes, you're going to get bored. I like to keep it at 35, 40 minutes a week. Then just about keeps your attention while you're driving to and from work. So until we converse, or until I converse and you listen next week, have a great week, won't you? And I look forward to hearing from you. Stay safe. Stay well. Yours in Music signing off. Don't forget www.innovationstudios.com. Bye-bye for now.